Welcome back to Round the Rink. I know we had a little hiatus there for a while, but we are back, folks. Recording in progress. I am your host, as usual, yours truly, Wesley Minky. To my left in the studio today, short studio, small studio, we got a uh, good buddy, Bennett Snyder. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, you know, I'm ready to talk some hockey. Yeah, man, good time. Good time, good time to be alive here. Uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest joining us. Play-by-play -play man, voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Jeff Rimmer. How are we doing, Jeff? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Of course. Absolutely. So, as always, we're going to talk Jackets hockey with you. You're the Jackets man. I got a first question to ask you here. This year, watching the Jackets, it's less usual than, uh, or less normal than usual, but um, there's not a lot of physicality on this team, Jeff. Can you, can you speak on that at all? Um, I'm not really sure what what the Jackets are missing, but it seems like physicality is not a play in the uh, system Brad Larson's running this year. Well, I, I think it's uh, a byproduct of uh, what they have as far as talent is concerned, not necessarily uh, Coach uh, Larson's uh, idea of uh, the lack of physicality. I think that uh, we're looking at a team that uh, is built on skill. I think that uh, uh, certainly uh, we have a situation uh, with Andrew Peake on the blue line, a guy that is providing uh, the physicality the team needs, but you can always use a little more grit. And I think, uh, quite frankly, um, a forward or two that could provide some grit might be in the offing. And that's certainly something the Blue Jackets are looking at. But they're not going to bring uh, grit in over skill, uh, simply to bring grit in. So uh, I understand where their where they're thinking is. But ultimately, I don't think it's a, a case of uh, the system that's being employed right now by, uh, by Coach Larson. But uh, you're right. I think that uh, you can really never have enough grit. Uh, the Jackets are a skilled team. They're a young team. But I think before long, you'll find that uh, they'll fill in with uh, a little more grit up front and perhaps even on the blue line. I agree. Yeah. Uh, like you said, byproduct of the team you have. I guess I have been always used to with the Jackets, seeing guys like Nick Foligno, Boone Jenner, David Savard, uh, guys that are, like, I guess, ready to get dirty and get in the dirty areas uh, to play like that physical brand of hockey that always seems, seems to come with John Tortorella's teams. Um, so, yeah, this first year of Brad Larson, um, how do you think it's how do you think it's gone? We're about halfway through the season so far. How do you think uh, this first season under Larson's command has gone? Well, I think everybody kind of uh, wondered uh, with the team's first 18 games, winning 12 of the 18, that this was a team that uh, was going to uh, not only challenge for a playoff spot, but ultimately uh, surprise a lot of people. Certainly they've surprised people, but this is a young hockey team. And I think uh, we've talked about that before. Uh, we've got to give them some space and, and some room to grow. I think that um, obviously things have been a little bit tougher here than what everybody expected after the start the team had. But uh, I still think they're capable of playing quality hockey. And I think ultimately they are building for the future. And uh, the future is a year or two away. Yeah, we speak on the future a lot. Um, the Olympic team has been released uh, a little bit around the world mostly. Guys like Kirill Marchenko, Dmitry Voronkov. Uh, both named to the Russian Olympic team, both Jackets prospects. Kent Johnson named to Team Canada. Samuel Kanashko for uh, Slovakian team. Um, I remember we had this chat earlier in the year uh, when the Jackets were on that Vancouver trip, or I guess the Western Canadian trip. Um, but we talked about how Sillinger had a chance to maybe go play uh, for Team Canada if the Jackets were willing to give him away or, uh, I guess, give off his services for uh, that month or so. Um, what do you think on the Jackets' future, and do you think it was smart of the Jackets to keep Sillinger around? Well, uh, I, I certainly think so, because he was one of our better centermen, 
uh, right behind Boone Jenner. And I think that uh, he had more to learn being at the NHL level than playing in the World Junior. It's something that a lot of these Canadian kids grow up, as well as the U.S. kids, to play for Team USA or perhaps play for Team Canada. But I think ultimately the right decision was made. And as it turned out, the World Junior was canceled. So uh, it would have been a situation where Boone, uh, it, it would have been uh, Cole Fillinger away from the team, putting a little more stress on Boone Jenner uh, up the middle, because quite frankly, there are best two centermen. Although what we've seen in the last month, the emergence of uh, Sean Corrali. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, um, over the last several weeks, I think Corrali's been our best player. I think he's really, really stepped up with the additional ice time. And he's now found himself a little bit higher in the lineup. But uh, yeah, bottom line, they made the right decision in keeping Cole Sillinger here and not sending him to the World Junior. Yeah, you speak on uh, Corrali a lot. I'm a big fan of Corrali. He's a Columbus kid. Um, I'm, I love Corrali's play. He's leading the team right now in plus minus, I believe, at uh, plus nine, which is huge for the Jackets. Most of those players are all in uh, the minus numbers, um, which isn't great for a team. But I guess goal differential-wise, the Jackets have been hurting in that category all year. What is it? I mean, what did you think the addition was beginning of the year? What were your thoughts on Corrali coming in? What role you think he'd play? And then versus now, he, like you said, he's one of our best centers on the ice right now on the whole team. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? I think uh, he's exceeded expectations. I think that uh, we were all excited to see him join the team for the kind of player that he was. Uh, he has deservedly, as I said, uh, moved up in the lineup. I think the experience of playing with the Boston Bruins and uh, bringing uh, that attitude, uh, I think, really helped. We talked about grit a few minutes ago. There's a guy that provides grit with every shift, mm -hmm. finishes his check. He's on, he was first on the four check. And uh, he's just been a, a, a terrific addition. I'm glad he signed for uh, the next three years plus this season. And I think he's really excited to be a Columbus Blue Jacket and playing in front of his friends and family on a nightly basis. Yeah, you talk about guys that are excited to be Jackets. I feel like one of those guys is Zach Wierenski right now for me. Um, he, it looks like he loves putting on that Union Blue sweater. Um, I think it's really cool that he got the All-Star Game nomination from the Jackets. Um, but speaking on the All-Star Game nomination, how do you feel about each team getting a player uh, sent, to the, sent to the game? Do you, do you like that idea? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that uh, every team should be represented. It is the All-Star Game. Uh, I know a lot of people feel the best players should go, but uh, hey, you can find uh, a player that's deserving of going on every team. And I think everybody should be represented. Um, I, I have no problem that uh, maybe there are some omissions. As we sit here today, subject to change, Sidney Crosby's not uh, yeah. in the All-Star game. And there's a guy that obviously and deservedly should be in the game, and I think you're going to find that there'll be injuries or players that uh, bow out for whatever reason and then face a one-game suspension, and then a guy like Sidney Crosby will be there because he's still one of the best players in the game. Yeah, I agree. It is kind of weird, though. Like you said, seeing those guys, I guess maybe injuries um, and not playing all the games have maybe hurt their case a little bit. But I agree. It's like we're used to seeing all the all-stars, not really every team be represented. But I feel like roster size, now that it's you know per division rather than just conference-wise, um, has slimmed that down. Do you like that or do you wish it would go back to conference style where it was just all Eastern, all Western, you pick whatever it was amount of players, X amount of players from each roster? Um, I kind of like the conference style. Uh way of uh, selecting the all-stars as well there's another way to play and uh, you guys are too young to know but i certainly <laughs> remember a young hockey fan and that is 
they used to play the all-star game before the season started and an all-star team truly representative would play the defending stanley cup champions Interesting. i think that would draw a lot more attention i think that would be a lot better it's basically an exhibition game here now but i'll tell you what if you had if you had a situation where uh, Tampa Lightning, two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, were playing a true all-star team uh, made up of players throughout the National Hockey League that would garner a lot of attention, and the perfect time to play it would be before the season started. So I'm all for that. But as I said, you guys are too young because it's been a long, long time <laughs> before we uh, uh, see or since we've seen that type of all-star format. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because I've never heard of that before, but I know not just the NHL, but the NFL struggles with their all-star game, which they their Pro Bowl. The NBA struggles with competition because no one really wants to play and get hurt. But I'll tell you right now, if the NBA, NFL, NHL, they all did what you just described right there and played before the season, I would watch that every single year and I would not leave my couch at all. I'd be tuned in. It'd just be exciting. Yeah, I, and like you said, though, I mean, if you play Tampa Bay, uh, arguably Tampa Bay has the best goalie in the league right now, um, one of the best coaches, uh, one of the best top lines, one of the best top D pairings. They're basically an all-star team anyways, so I'm not sure that's like a horrible idea competition-wise for Tampa. Oh, no. People would love to see that. You can put <laughs> a, uh, a superb team on, on the ice to face the Lightning, yeah, even with Stamkos and Kucherov and Vasilevsky and the like. Believe me, it would draw a lot of attention. Oh, yes, it would. Um, so speaking on kind of award basis, um, I know the Jack Adams Award is voted on by the NHL Broadcasters Association. My first question is, do you get a vote for that? Yes, I do. Beautiful. And then my second question, you don't have to give us your answer if you don't want to, but um, through 40 games, who do you who do you think has really earned that uh, vote? Well, uh, I'm a little impartial to uh, Gerard Gallant, but I think he's done a great job. Uh, with the, uh, the New York Rangers. I think that uh, he certainly deserves consideration based on where they are. Uh, you can look around the league and, and yeah, uh, John Cooper without Kucherov for much of uh, the first half of the season has done a ter terrific job. You can look at uh, Bednar, head coach uh, in Colorado, has done a great job with that team. They've struggled through COVID and through injuries, but uh, look where they are in the standings. So those are the, uh, the three guys that I would vote for. And we vote for three. We pick a first, a second, and a third. And uh, right now, based on uh, the job that he's done, I give Gerard Gallant uh, the edge for the New York Rangers. Yeah, so is that the only award you get to vote on then as a uh, broadcaster? Yeah, yeah. the writers uh, vote for the other awards. Uh, broadcasters vote for Jack Adams, Coach of the Year. Okay, so I know a hot topic with Jackets fans. Um, a lot of people like to see Zach Wierenski back in the day. We wanted to see Seth Jones uh, get a lot of nomination for the Norris. Um, there's been a lot of guys that have played really, really well defensively and offensively this year uh, in that defenseman position. Um, who do you think is the leader right now in that Norris category? Because myself, I would give Kale McCarr the award. I'm a huge Kale McCarr fan. I think he's an unbelievable player. Um, but I know Adam Fox just won it. Uh, does, he, does he go back to back? Uh, he's in tough with McCarr. There's no question. It's not an automatic that uh, Fox wins it. He's certainly right there. Uh, I also really admire Roman Yossi in, in Nashville. I think that uh, he's a terrific uh, uh, captain, and uh, he's a terrific hockey player, and I think that uh, he certainly deserves some consideration, and he is 
to a former winner. Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, I guess, management changes around the league. Um, with the way the Jackets have played as of late and the reputation they have, um, would you say there's any, I guess, hot seat on Yarmo Kekalainen to do anything big with his team, or do you think he has a longer leash? I, I don't think that uh, Yarmo uh, is in any, uh, in any trouble. This team, as they told the fans, and I think the fans are even on board, they're building for the future. And uh, nobody, expected, nobody expected the Blue Jackets uh, uh, to really be a team that uh, was in the playoff hunt. They're still in it. You're not out of it till you're yeah. out of it. But uh, we're, we're, we're seeing a hockey team here that's building for the future. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be a great draft again. The Jackets are going to have two top ten picks, I believe. Chicago's in their own, and I think that uh, they're going to be able to pick up a couple of additional quality players. You mentioned the players that are going to represent uh, uh, the Blue Jackets in the upcoming Olympics, and several of those players will find themselves into a Columbus uniform here before too many years pass. And I think that uh, you're going to see a situation where uh, uh, the Blue Jackets are going to not just once, not just twice, but they're going to challenge year after year to go deep into the playoffs here. But it's going to take uh, a year or two for them to uh, really put their best foot forward. And understand one other thing. We heard from the so-called experts, uh, all the uh, media people that had the Blue Jackets in last place in the Metropolitan Division and not winning too many games, I think the Jackets have exceeded expectations. So bottom line, to answer your question, no, Yarmo's not in the hot seat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you saw you talk about those young players. Like uh, we've been hearing for years, it seems like that Kirill Marchenko and um, now even Kent Johnson. Like these guys are on their way over. They're on their way over. Um, when when things like what happened with Gregory Hoffman, for instance, uh, is it like maybe a, too much of a rush to get these guys from these foreign countries, these European countries, to come over and play in the American game? Or like what is your what is your thought process on that? Because I know they're young and they need to develop, and it seems like Yegor Chinikov maybe was brought too soon. His is a game like he's translating decently now, but early in the season, it looked like he was a little slow to the puck. He wasn't really understanding the, the American game as much. Uh, what are your thoughts on that transition from European hockey to uh, American? Well, I, I think uh, Chinikov came over at the right time. He wanted to come here. I think Marchenko will be here next year. You mentioned uh, Ken Johnson. He could be here before the season is even over for the Blue Jackets. He could play in April uh, if he decides to forego uh, any uh, future years at Michigan. And I think that's you know certainly a, a possibility. Um, yeah, uh, as far as Gregory Hoffman is concerned, that was a situation where he enjoyed it uh, playing in the National Hockey League. Uh, he certainly was an asset here, but I think the fact that his wife did not uh, enjoy uh, living in North America <laughs> She went home to have the baby, and I think the decision was made that uh, they were going to uh, depart. And I think it uh, had nothing to do with Columbus. It was simply his wife didn't want to be in uh, in North America anymore. Yeah, Jeff, it seems like a huge topic that we've been talking about on this interview has been the future. Um, Wes mentioned earlier in this interview, I'm really not the biggest hockey fan. It's not because I don't enjoy watching it. I'm going to be completely honest. I love watching it. 
totally. But I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. So down in Cincinnati, you know, we've got the Cyclones, but we don't have anything close to the Jackets. And to be quite honest, it was never something that I found on TV, even when it was with Fox Sports, now Bally Sports. I never really found Jackets games on TV. So the coolest part about becoming a fan of the NHL right now for me has been this new deal with ESPN+. Plus. I've always been an ESPN Plus subscriber, um, and now, they, like I said, the ESPN Plus deal with the NHL, I can watch any single game that I want to unless it's nationally televised. I can watch any game from any city, anywhere, anytime on ESPN+. Plus. I think it's so cool. What do you think from a broadcasting uh, perspective about this deal with ESPN+, Plus and the future it has for the NHL? Well, um, the National Hockey League entered into an agreement with uh, ESPN, and uh, the streaming service was uh, obviously an add-on. Uh, in uh, the, the coming months here, leading up to the playoffs, there's going to be more games on over-the-air TV, ESPN, and mm -hmm. even ABC, I think, as well. The deal with TNT uh, was a win-win because you've got the two competing networks trying to outdo one another. And that makes it better for uh, for hockey fans. And your point's well taken on the fact that ESPN Plus now has every game that's available. They also have had NHL TV mm -hmm. the last several years. You had to be a subscriber to that to get any broadcast, uh, either home or away, from any National Hockey League team. Uh, but streaming is becoming a big part of uh, the North American television viewer. And I think uh, it's a big win for the National Hockey League, bottom line. And you're right. More exposure now than ever before, and that's great to see. Yeah, I'm going to finish up with one last question before I let you get back to Wes. So like I said, I'm in what Wes and I like to call NHL fan-free agency right now. So give me one name of, if I'm to become a huge Columbus Blue Jackets fan, give me one name of a guy I should start following because he's the future of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, boy. I, that's, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Loaded question. That's a, that's a shot in the dark. <laughs> one, but there's one player that I admire uh, that I'd love to see the Blue Jackets sign. Uh, actually, there's two, and, and they're both potentially Hall of Famers. They're older players, established players. They can certainly bring leadership. One is the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, mm -hmm. and uh, that's Giroux, the centerman. Okay. Uh, Claude Giroux. Guy that uh, I wouldn't mind uh, – seeing either traded for here before the deadline because his contract is up and he'll likely be moved, but more realistically, perhaps signing him as a free agent, Claude Giroux. Okay. And uh, the other one is Joe Pavelski with the Dallas Stars. Mm. This guy's an ageless wonder. He's having a phenomenal season for the Dallas Stars, and there's a couple of veteran players that could really help a, a, a young team. But uh, that's, as I said, those are shots in the dark, <laughs> and that's just Jeff Rimmer talking. I, I don't <laughs> uh, know if that's even a possibility, but – I'll tell you what, I, I would, if I was running the Blue Jackets, mm -hmm. those two players would certainly be welcome. I'll start my recruiting pitch on those two guys. I, I wrote them down, so I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, like we said, though, Jeff, uh, the Jackets in the past have had a lot of free agency money to spend, and um, I'm not sure if it's players don't want to play here or what it is. Uh, that's always been the age -long, or, uh, lifelong debate with uh, Jackets fans is do players not want to be here? What is it? Is it Columbus? Um, so like you said, those guys maybe don't want to come or you don't know, that's a shot in the dark. Um, but the Jackets having a lot of free agency money, like what is the, what is the, uh, idea in your mind that the Jackets should go after? Should they go after veteran guys and go try and win a cup while they can, or, uh, like mentors to these young guys so that, you know, they have a dynasty for years and years. 
Well, I, I think it's unfair, the, the criticism of the Blue Jackets for players that uh, uh, decided to leave on their own accord, uh, extenuating circumstances in each one. Panarin still, or was, and I got to be very close with Panarin. He was upset about the trade uh, from Chicago, and he said, I'll decide where I want to go next. Had nothing to do with Columbus. Uh, Bobrovsky simply left because the Blue Jackets wouldn't pay him per, uh, carry price money. He got what he wanted and went to Florida, $10 million a year for seven years. I don't know if he'll even finish his career there, although I should also add he's having one great season, and I, I admire how he's bounced back. Um, as far as free agents uh, coming here, I think the Blue Jackets proved with uh, Corrali signing. There's a player that uh, in his prime, so to speak, he decided to come home. Uh, I think Zach Wierenski re-signing with the Blue Jackets, again, is, is a sign that uh, free agents uh, would be welcome and, and would come to Columbus. And uh, as far as signing free agents here moving forward, I think a lot's going to depend on the player and where the Blue Jackets are as far as players coming in, younger players and, and draft picks. Uh, when you really start looking at the big-time free agents to bring to a hockey team, and, and I'm not talking Blue Jackets, I'm talking any team, you're looking for a piece of the puzzle that can complete that puzzle and take a team to a Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, that's when you really get aggressively pursuing free agents. On the flip side here, uh, I want to point out that the Blue Jackets have made a concerted effort here to upgrade the facility uh, and the dressing room and look after the players. Uh, they had a great uh, rebuild of the dressing room that's not totally complete this last offseason. They'll continue to work on that this uh, this offseason and upgrade the facility at Nationwide, which is one of the best for me in, in the National Hockey League and where the Jackets have got it over the majority of teams. And it's become a copycat situation in some of the newer buildings. And that put and that is putting the practice facility within the confines of the main arena. And I think that uh, that's certainly an attraction for the Blue Jackets as well. But it's going to depend on what players that they've drafted are going to come here, what players are traded for. And when they're in contention, you better believe that uh, they will and will be able to and would want to attract free agents here to put them over the top. I feel like a big sales pitch for me, um, if I was a guy who wanted to play uh, for a new team, would be a player that's been there for a while or a player that's uh, been established there and everyone knows. Um, for the Jackets, that guy coming back was Rick Nash. In my opinion, the greatest Blue Jacket to ever put on that uniform uh, thus far, I'm a huge Rick Nash fan. He's my favorite player growing up. I idolized him. Um, you know, he gets his jersey retired March 5th. What kind of impact do you think that's going to have on the Jackets organization to have that first jersey in the rafters and kind of like put uh, their first step forward as this is the guy, like this is who our franchise wants you to be, wants you to model yourself after, um, like that kind of thing as like mo almost a mentor. And now he's back in the organization again, uh, developing the youth guys. Uh, what's your idea on that? Well, it's twofold. Number one, Rick Nash would have come back and played this season if he didn't have the concussion issues. In fact, he talked contract with John Davidson and uh, general manager uh, Jarmo Kekalainen to come back and play. Unfortunately, he couldn't. Uh, the organization thinks so much of him. They brought him in. He followed uh, Jarmo Kekalainen as uh, kind of an advisor. Uh, that first year, he's now our assistant general manager. Uh, he will talk to... Uh, future uh, players that the Blue Jackets want to bring in here as far as free agents are concerned. He'll also deal with some of the younger players. He's got a multi-faceted uh, job with the team. He's out scouting, and uh, certainly that's a statement uh, 
for not only uh, the Blue Jackets, but for Columbus, and, and uh, one that uh, certainly I believe will attract players in the future for Columbus and the Jackets. You have anything else to add, Bennett? No, I just I was able to listen to the interview you had with Rick Nash, and I totally agree. I mean, he was very well spoken. And how old is Rick? Uh, that's a question for Jeff. Honestly, I think he's late thirties. I would assume, right? I mean, he's mid to late thirties. Yeah. Okay, I don't. I don't know why I had him as much older. Cause I mean, I was shocked when he just said that he could have came back and played. That would have been awesome. Well, yeah, I remember like the whole debate where it was like with his doctors, he was trying to get cleared and it was his free agency year and he was leaving Boston and he, you know, he wanted to play somewhere else. And I remember the Jackets organization was pushing really hard to get him back because like Jeff said, he was a great player here. Mm -hmm. He wanted to return. He loves Columbus. He loved the city. Um, and it's, he's, it's where he said he wanted to raise a family at. And that's now where he's raising his family. He's part of the management staff. But yeah, I agree. It would have been really cool to see Rick lace up the uh, old Jackets uniform again. Uh, for a couple more seasons just to finish his career here. Absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be cool to see his jersey in the Raptors. I'll be at that game, Jeff, March 5th against the Boston Bruins. Um, it's going to be really cool. The last three captains of the Jackets will all be there at once with Foligno returning for the first time to Nationwide, uh, Rick there, and the new captain, Boone Jenner, which I think is a really cool concept. I think it's a great idea of when the Jackets decided to retire that jersey. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be very excited to see that uh, ceremony, and I'm very excited to see Rick continue with the Jackets. I'll be emceeing that ceremony on uh, the 5th of March, too. It's a Saturday night against the Boston Bruins. And I, uh, there we go. I, I strongly urge uh, fans to uh, get their tickets early because it will be a sellout and the building will be rocking. Oh, yeah. I got my tickets a couple months ago, I believe, because I knew it, it was going to be a sellout, and I was like, I got to be there. This is my guy back in the day. So, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, as always, thank you so much for your time, Mr. Emmer. We do appreciate it. Um, good luck to the Jackets the rest of the way. And, uh, again, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Rimmer. Yeah. Have a good one, sir. You too. So, as always, we're going to finish off this episode uh, in a fun way. We're going to get back to our old ways. Bennett's going to guess some players. Are they real? Are they fake? So, Bennett, this, this week we got a Canadian version uh, would you like to add something real quick? Yeah, real quick. Um, you know, I'd just like to announce, uh, f this is my first podcast in the producer uh, seat. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, it felt a, little, felt a little weird here. I'm sitting in, you know, Tim Conway's legacy. Um, I feel like I may have messed up the intro a little bit. Like, you know, did you notice how I started recording the interview? So, yeah. you know, what, we, that may be something we fix in post-production. I mean, and by we, I mean Tim may have to go in and fix that. So if when you're listening to this, it sounds clean, uh, just know Timmy Conway worked his wonders. Wes, let's get into this. Yeah, so we're going to get back to our player guest, as always. Uh, Bennett, today I got 10 players for you. Uh, like I said, Canadian version. So we're going to go player one, start us off. Joe Sackick. Sackick. Hmm. See, I feel like you think that I think you'd start off with the real person, which is why this is a fake person. That's incorrect. He is a real player. He is actually God. a very good player. I think he's still the GM for the Colorado Avalanche, uh, if I do believe. Uh, so over one to start. It's you know right. what? I'm going to go this whole segment clean without right. profanity, and it's going to be tough because nothing makes me more angry than this game. So player number two, we got Gordy Howe. False, fake. He is real as well. Oh my gosh! He's one of the greatest players <laughs> of all time. Uh, you're doing you're doing a disservice right now. Uh, player number three, Mark Savard. That one sounds too real to be real. Fake. 
correct. It is fake. <laughs> You're one for three to start so far. Here we we're go. All right, we're doing all right. Here we go. All right, player number four, Steve Eiserman. That one sounds too fake to be fake, but it's a fake name. Ah, it's real. Dang, I really knew good, it. Really good player in Detroit, now the GM in Tampa Why Bay. Why you hit me with all these GMs? Because, man, they just popped on my head when I said them. All right, player number five. You're one, one for four right now. Mm-hmm. Player number five, Bobby Hall. Oh, that is such, such a generic name. And it's so American, too, and this is Canadian. Mm-hmm. Bobby Hall? Mm-hmm. What's it short for? Bob, is Bobby his full name? I would assume so. It's the, Can I help you with this one, though? Spelling on Hall is not how you think it is. It's Canadian, so it's H-U-L-L. Hmm. Does that change your idea? I feel like you would have only told me that if it was a fake name. Fake name. It's real. Gosh. Bobby Hall, one of the greatest <laughs> shooters of all time. All right. You are uh, one you? for six. You're one for, one for six. So, no, one for five. One for five. Oh, that was only our fifth? Short. Okay, yeah. perfect. All right. Maybe I was just seeing it in the future. Yeah. Player number six, Phil Boucher. Um, is he related to Bobby Boucher at all? I would assume. Okay, so he's fake. Correct. He is fake. <laughs> Good job on that one. <laughs> all right. Player number seven. You're two for six. Doug Tremblay. Uh, is he um, related to... no players you can think of. <laughs> Tremblay? Ethan Tremblay? Do you know what that's from? Oh, my gosh. It's a great movie. It's um, Robert Downey Jr. and okay. Zach Galifianakis. We, we've watched it together. Have we? Yeah, we have. I'll show you the poster. All Ethan right. Tremblay. And this guy's name is what? Uh, this guy's name is Doug Tremblay. Uh, I'm going to go with he's not related to Zach Galifianakis, so this guy is also fake. That's correct. He is also fake. Good yeah. job. I'm all over Get, it. You're getting hot lately It's here. my pop culture here. All right, so we're three for seven. Okay. Player number eight, Adam Oates. See, this is where I always overthink it because that is the most generic name of all time. And I always go fake on him, and it always screws me, but this one's real. It is real. I'm impressed. <laughs> You're getting hot here. <laughs> Three in a row? Yeah, four, four of eight. All right, player number nine, Jean Cote. Just, of, just because the way you say Jean, it's real. It's fake. No! <laughs> oh, yeah, a little French-Canadian toss Gosh. there. Jean Cote. Um, okay, this up. is big. Let's I could I could go fifty percent here. This is big. Let's end it with a bang. You're four of nine. I've got a fifty percent chance to go fifty percent right here. You do. Player number ten, Dale Howardchuck. Could you say it in a sentence? The goal was scored by Dale Howardchuck. Howardchuck, you say? You want to know the origin? Canadian. Nope. Oh, really? <laughs> um, gosh. Don't overthink it, Bennett. It's got to be fake. It's real. It is real. 50%. Bennett ends his first ever 50%. Wow. That was an electric moment there. I did not think you were going to get it right. You were you were psyching yourself out. Oh, moment. I always do. Are you kidding me? You give me the most egregious names of all time. I'm not so sure these aren't all fake. I just have to take your word for it that they're the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. How am hey, I supposed to do that? If you're bored, look up highlights of Joe Sackick or... Gordy Howe, any of those guys. Adam Steve Oates. Eiserman, Adam Oates. Bobby Boucher. Adam Oates also a GM. Now that I think of it, he was the GM for the Capitals. Yeah, Bobby Boucher. Yeah, they're all really <laughs> good, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, they sure are. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Round the Rink. We thank our guest, Mr. Jeff Rimmer, as always, with so gracious with his time. Um, for myself, Wesley Minky, and my partner, Bennett Snyder, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Love you guys.